Why Access Matters, a podcast by Accessibrand. Thoughts and talks about accessibility. Accessibility, such a small word for such big and far-reaching impact. What do you think of when you hear it? Hello again, everyone. I'm Jolene McDonald from Accessibrand, and I'd like to welcome you to the fourth episode of our second season and the ninth episode overall of our podcast, Why Access Matters. Since our inaugural episode in June of 2022, Why Access Matters proudly and happily brings you thoughts and talks about accessibility every last Friday of each month, and we invite you to listen to our first season if you haven't already. It's available on various platforms. All of our episodes to date are independent and don't require prior listening, but the more you hear from our guests, the better you can learn and grow alongside us, as many of our wonderful guests talk about the all-important concept of accessibility. Now that you've thought about what accessibility means to you, let us also ask, what is social justice to you? And do you think it has any link or connection to accessibility? To better understand how important it is to break down barriers and address societal openness to accessibility, I talked to Alicia Jarvis. Alicia is a diversity, equity, and inclusion researcher and strategist. She is a creative force for change and a thought leader, offering a positive perspective and innovative solutions to complex problems relating to universal usability. In this conversation, she spoke as an advocate and not in her position in the Bell Company, where she is the senior product manager of the accessibility portfolio. She shared her valuable thoughts about the importance of accessibility, her difficult but fruitful personal journey, and many other key points about identifying our barriers and moving toward a more accessible world. Why Access Matters, a podcast by Accessibrand thoughts and talks about accessibility. So hi, Alicia. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. We're so excited that you have agreed to be on our podcast. I'd love to know how you'd like to introduce yourself today. Sure. Uh, I'm Alicia Jarvis. I'm a senior product manager for the accessibility portfolio at Bell. Um, My pronouns are she and her. And I have uh, brown hair and brown eyes, and um, I'm white presenting, uh, but I do have mixed uh, background and heritage. Um, Today, I'm wearing a flowered dress, and I'm getting very excited for spring uh, and, and the nicer weather. I would concur with that. I was just saying before we started recording, when I went out yesterday after all the rain, Um, I'm located just outside of Kitchener-Waterloo, and there was no snow, and I was so excited that it finally (laughs) got on. Uh, I know, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, again, I'm so grateful for you to be here today. So we have a few questions, and we just wanted to have a chat. But our first question is, uh, so based on your experience, you're combining two big aspects of inclusion, diversity, equity, and accessibility. Also, sometimes people refer to it as IDEA together in your work. Um, and then firstly, you are a diversity, equity, inclusion researcher and strategist. 
And secondly, you're a creative force for change and definitely a thought leader serving in the context of working with large organizations. Um, so we know that you're advocating for positive perspective, innovative solutions to complex problems relating to universal usability. So what we'd like to know is if you can tell us about your experience and how it feels when you look back sort of at your accomplishments and um, what has the progress of the response been in relation to being part of a bigger tech related organization. So just give us sort of your point of view and any details in any order or combination. <laughs> A big question. Uh, that is a big question. Um, so I guess I'll start a little bit with my career journey. Um, and, and as I look back, because uh, my role now at Bell um, is kind of a full circle moment for me. And so I really wanted to get into how I got here and then looking back on um, what it feels like now. Um, and what it felt like back then. That'd be great. So, um, so I was fresh out of university um, in 2009, and I had no idea what I was going to do with the rest of my life. I had legal knowledge, so I had a career, uh, I had a degree in criminology, um, and I knew law school was not right for me at that time, uh, at least. But that's pretty much all I knew was I have this huge university debt um, and I need a job. So um, at the time, there was this internship that kind of popped up where uh, it combined uh, technology, business, and, uh, and legal knowledge kind of all together, as well as the lived experience with disability. And what that was, was um, the CRTC kind of told Bell, hey, uh, to allow competition to come into the market, we, we want you to keep your prices the same, but we want you to use half of that money to improve your products and services for people with disabilities. And that's where I came in was, my manager basically said, hey, we have this, we have this budget. We don't have any ideas. And I'm like, okay, I have no money. I'm a student and I have all kinds of ideas. So it was the perfect <laughs> parent. Um, but at that time, we had no idea what the accessibility thing was. Um, 2009, it was just the start of AODA in Ontario. Um, the Accessibility Toronto Meetup Group was probably five people at that time, um, which I was a part of. I got a, I got a part of that very early on. Um, and as an industry, we didn't even know that this would become an industry at all. We were just kind of knowing that there was some legal stuff. There was the lived experience that people with disabilities were not getting served properly um, in society. We knew that. And that's pretty much all we knew. Um, and then so I, uh, I did that for a while. And then um, what happened was uh, my contract came up and um, it, it was not like basically um, I didn't get a full-time position. I was gunning for a full-time position, didn't get it went on my way to do other things. 
Um, and I did a bunch of other things. So I did everything from um, background in uh, TV and movies to uh, ad hoc consulting, basically a bit of everything. And then I landed my feet again as an intern at a major bank um, where I spent six years as acute, uh, as accessibility uh, tester essentially um, and progressively moving up into design. Um, so when I look back on just kind of that whole experience, I think that also takes me to today, if you're kind of following the journey with me, is that um, people still experience this today where people with disabilities are not getting hired for jobs, even though they're completely qualified. Yeah. And that's why I'm in the position that I am today as well, is that's what I want to make sure that, that we do, is not just making products and services accessible for people to use, but really looking at all of our processes and things to make sure that we're being truly inclusive. And that's also what I learned along my journey, um, just through working in the banks to where I am back now at Bell is that that whole journey like took a lot of work. <laughs> um, and um, as I look back, it's like, it shouldn't have been that hard. It really shouldn't have been that hard just to get a job, sustain a job, get promoted when I'm doing a good job and being recognized for my accomplishments. I hope that sort of answered your question. 100%. I mean, this is what we hear time and time again is that, you know, we're qualified and not being hired and the perception of employers and the lack of understanding or they're rooted in, you know, their unconscious bias of what they think people need or don't need. Um, it's something systematically that we've had to fight. I mean, I didn't experience disability personally until I was diagnosed about six years ago. Um, I talk about it all the time. I have Ehlers-Danlos, it's a hypermobility type and it's chronic pain, it's fatigue. It's, you know, sometimes I use a cane, it's all of those things, but uh, my youngest daughter has dwarfism. And so when I saw the difference in accommodations for her, even like there's a, there's so much to be done in so many ways. So it sort of became my whole life of trying to figure out advocacy. And then obviously we focus on the digital side, but uh, I'm so glad you got the opportunities, but you shouldn't have had to fight that hard. I'm sure um, it's taken a lot of effort um, so yeah, thank you for sharing that story for sure. And I'm glad to see and hear that you've been able to make some really awesome and positive changes, not just for you, but in the, you know, the corporations and organizations that you've worked in. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so one of the next questions that we have, and we ask everybody this one is why is accessibility essential for our society? and not just for people with disabilities. I mean, we could probably focus this specifically related to media and technology in your case, but happy to hear whatever you have to say, because I think that's one of the things we find when we're talking to individuals or clients is that 
yes, we promote it to talk about people with disabilities being able to have equitable access to information and you know technology, but it's actually really beneficial for everyone. So what are your thoughts on that? So first of all, um, I'm not one to like labels at all. So um, like I do identify as a woman with a disability that like I do um, and, and I take great power and privilege in being able to do that. Um, it is, it is um, something that I cherish. However, I think we all have to understand that no matter where we are in life, we will experience a disability at some point in our lives. So whether someone, whether you break an arm as a child playing on the playground or you have surgery and on your knee later on in life, or you have a permanent disability like I do, we will all experience some sort of disability in our lifetime. And we have to get to a place where we're ready to kind of admit that, not only to ourselves, but to each other, is that there's no one perfect human being that can do everything and is amazing at absolutely everything. Um, I'm not amazing at everything. <laughs> Even though I've worn many hats, done many jobs, I'm definitely not amazing at everything. I have, I have you know, things I'm really, really good at. And I have things that um, I work on constantly. Um, and that's the way that we should be viewing accessibility is it's not for these people over here that we've put a label on yeah it's for all of us is to recognize that we're going to need help and support at some point in our lives it may be for some it may be more than others but that's the reality is that our eyesight is going to go as we age things are going to change as we age like, that's one thing that I think about constantly about myself is, yeah, I have a, I have a permanent disability that I was born with, but what are the other disabilities am I going to acquire as I age? Like, I wash my hair with my foot, so I'm pretty sure that at some point, I'm not going to be flexible enough to wash my hair on my own. <laughs> right? Um, I don't know when that day is going to come, but I have to prepare for that. And, and that's what accessibility is all about, is making sure that we have the flexibility in our structures and systems and technology to be able to account for those things. That's a really great explanation of it. And I think it, it shocks me often that we, we often, you know, talk about accessibility is actually for everyone. And we also talk about, you know, you could break your arm, um, but we also talk about, you know, uh, curb cuts. Uh, it, again, that's a physical environment, but that, uh, you know, you're walking your baby down the street in the stroller or, you know, somebody's using a bicycle. It really benefits everyone. So trying to open people's minds to the fact that it's not just for people with the labels like you're talking about. Unfortunately, it seems like we're the ones fighting for it most of the time, but you're right. It's, it can happen to anyone at any time. I was, you know, in my forties when it happened to me and I was like, 
gobsmacked. I didn't know what to do. And, you know, just the process of figuring everything out was really complex and, and difficult. So the more that businesses can sort of embrace the idea that these are positive changes that are worth investing in because there's multiple, multiple reasons, but that it will benefit everyone. And, you know, for technology, we use things on our phones all the time that were developed because of accessibility, but it's, it's like how many people watch videos and listen to them anymore? They're reading them. So like, those are all things that were developed due to accessibility. And so having people open their minds to that and understand that it's, it's really beneficial for everyone. That's awesome. Well, also, um, like we think of assistive technology as something for people with disabilities, mm -hmm. but all technology is assistive in nature. Technology is there to assist humans. Yep. We wouldn't build technology if there wasn't a use case to assist us in some way. Yeah. Right. So that's how we have to start thinking about it is that a screen reader is it's just a piece of software. Mm -hmm. Yes, like we call it assistive technology, sure, but it's a piece of software that has voice output. And like you said, like people work on voice technology today without realizing that, you know, it was first developed for people with disabilities, is now gone mainstream. People talk to Siri. Yep. I, I learned how to talk to voice technology when it was Dragon Naturally Speaking back in the 90s where you literally had to train your dragon and it was painful. And that's like, from a product perspective, that is the journey, right? Is you have, you kind of have a bell curve when it comes to products is that you develop a product, it may get, you know, a certain amount of adopters, then it kind of goes mainstream and then it may go down into you it may start declining and, and going end of life. Um, so that's how we have to think of all assistive technology is it's just technology. It's there to assist us. It's not this separate thing for people with disabilities. And the iPhone is the greatest example of that is that a screen reader used to be a physical product and then Steve Jobs came along and said, hey, we put a screen reader in, in a phone. Yeah, like you don't have to be a person with a disability to use that. You can turn on voiceover anytime you want. Yeah, there's uh, such a multitude of usage for so many things. And it's interesting when you have those conversations. I think when people get it, they get it. You see the light bulb moments for people. I mean, even for me, I was a designer, graphic designer for 20 years and had no idea about the smallest things that I could do to make what I did better until I knew. So that's why we love to have, you know, guests like yourself so we can expand, you know, those concepts and make people realize and educate. So I appreciate you sharing all that information. I think wow. that it's a great lead in to the next one though. So this is one we talk about a lot, um, not just on the podcast, but elsewhere. What's your message or statement to people who don't know about accessibility and are afraid of it? Because we often have people sort of like, they get uptight about it and they, they think about the legal aspect. And, and for us, we're like, we lead with empathy and education at Accessibrand because we just want people to understand 
the benefits of it. So what do you talk to people about or what do you say when you, you maybe recognize people are afraid of it or don't even understand it? How do you start that conversation? So the way I look at it is um, the legal side of it is scary. <laughs> like, and this is coming from a person that has, that has quite a bit of legal knowledge, took criminology as a degree. The legal side is scary. And I would say go and have a conversation with a person with a disability, like you are today with me. Um, just have a conversation, go outside of your comfort zone, um, into your community, just, you know, approach someone that you may not have talked to, talked to before in your workplace, um, or that parent or somebody um, that you know, uh, and just have a conversation with a person with a disability, because I think that that will get you over the 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 fear and into the human side that this is about humans. It's about humans and human rights. That's the core of it is that if if I can walk into a business and get a coffee, someone in the wheelchair should be able to go into that business and get a coffee too. That's what it's all about. So take someone for a coffee and see for yourself what that experience is like. And then you will understand why we fight so hard for accessibility. Yeah, I, I absolutely know that. And I think sometimes when I've talked to people, they're afraid to ask people with disabilities as well. And, and I, I don't know why that is. Um, I mean, there's always the fear of maybe insulting someone or they get sick and tired of hearing it. Um, you know, I don't know much about your lived experience, but with my daughter, um, you know, she's a little person and now it's fairly obvious people stare all the time. I mean, but I wish they would just ask something instead, you know, like, I think we need to teach people how to approach sometimes as well. So they won't be afraid or they're not miseducated. It's certainly a difficult process. I know when we've been out and we've met other people with dwarfism, I try and I'm always even worried about going up because they probably get that all the time, but I'm not unfortunately, but fortunately the last time we met someone, my daughter was with me. So I said, Hey, you know, I'd really like to meet because my daughter has a different kind, but you know, can we chat? Cause it's always great to have older person's perspective for her. Um, so is there any recommendations on that, that you have? Um, I think that, um, because I also get stared at a lot. <laughs> and um, as a child, um, I used to get very frustrated by that. I would actually get physically angry. Um, and But I've learned though, that um, if, you, if you start the conversation with, hi, um, would you like to ask me any questions? And I think just normalizing that for people that it's okay to ask questions. What's not okay is to assume mm -hmm. if someone can or can't do something. Yep. Don't assume, ask, because there's invisible disabilities that someone may actually not be able to do something that you think they can. Yep. 
And then the opposite occurs with me who has a physical disability that's visible is people often think I can't do things when I actually can. Yeah. So, so it's, let's stop assuming and just get to a point where asking a question is okay. No one's going to get mad or angry for a simple question. And, and that, and that same for parents is, you know, kids are inquisitive by nature. Um, and one thing that I hate is when a parent essentially shuts down a child when they're about to ask me a question. Yeah. I had, I had a scenario where this little girl was with her, her father and um, she, she turned to her father and she said, why, why does she have short arms? And I heard it, right? And her, her father tried to shut her down and I turned her and I said, you know, you know how you have dark skin and I have white skin? And she said, yeah. I said, you know how you have brown eyes and the person over there has blue eyes? She said, yeah. I said, well, some people have short arms and other people have long arms. And she got it like right there. And then she got it. Yeah. And that's just it is kids will get it if if you explain it to them if you try to shelter people that turns out to adults who who are fearful Mm -hmm. I think we've had some of the same situations uh I think you know it gets tiring I can see on my daughter's face when we're out sometimes she can ignore it but sometimes it just gets really tiring but it's always more of the adults that are the problem Um, you know, with being inappropriate or staring or, you know, shunning their kids, like you said, but I've always sort of said to her that, you know, there's ways to answer. You don't have to go into all the details, but simple answers for children, they just get it. And, you know, it's just about starting that conversation. I mean, you don't just roll up to one, somebody out of the blue and go, what's wrong with you? You know, that's not (laughs) the right way to do it. Although some people do that. Um, you know, it's just, it's about having those conversations. I'm not sure still to this day why society is the way it is, but I think we can unlearn those things and just have those conversations. So thanks for sharing some of your, you know, experiences with us on that as well. I I think the other thing is like knowing, knowing yourself, because we, we don't have an obligation to answer and we don't have an obligation to engage and that's that's one thing I've kind of learned over the years like I said as as a child I would get kind of angry and and the one thing I I sort of learned was you know I can choose I can choose just not to engage and that's okay and this is the part of accessibility that you know, I'm trying to teach now is that it's not up to the disabled person to teach you. There are books, there are podcasts, there are all kinds of resources out there um, that are available. Um, Let's stop putting the onus on, on particularly the children to explain why they're different and just accept that people are different. Yeah. I 100% agree. I, I could never, from a very young age, I never understood 
why people cared that others were different. And maybe that was something that I knew was going to happen later on in life. I don't know. I remember, you know, in high school, um, I taught the classes, uh, you know, different different generation back then, but I taught the classes that were segregated. I, it was one of my credits with uh, kids with Down syndrome and autism and things like that. And I could never understand why people treated them the way they did. Like, I just, it just didn't make sense to me. I'm like, everyone is a person and we all bring value in different ways. And uh, hopefully the more we have these conversations, the more we can change people's you know, biases and perspectives on that, but it shouldn't be just the children. But I do know that we need to certainly integrate that more into the education systems for sure. For sure. Yeah. So one of our last questions is referring to the last question we just talked about, about larger organizations. What do you think, or what do you see for the future of inclusion, diversity, equity, and accessibility in Canada, particularly, but as a whole, um, and the role of the organizations doing IDEA or DE&I? Um, that's, a, that's a really big question. Um, <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, but I, I think I would sum it up in this way, is that organizations in general need to understand that in order to serve Canadians, they have to represent Canadians in their workforce. And so if you, if you don't account for diversity, equity, and inclusion, you're going to get left behind in a lot of ways because you're not going to serve the customers you've, att you've attempted to serve. And you're not going to be reflective of the communities that you're in as well. And that will, that will reflect back on your business, your products, everything. So if you're not thinking about diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility from a bigger standpoint than just HR, now is the time to start <laughs> because it's not just HR problem. It is a business imperative that, yes, it will make you money. Yes, all of those things, the business case is solid. But beyond that is it will just make better things and better products and be able to serve the communities that you're attempting to serve better. That was super well said. Uh, I can't agree with you any more than 150% on that. I think it's, you know, as soon as you, everybody's constantly changing. We're always evolving, you know, as businesses, as people, it's just another piece that we should integrate and it shouldn't be something that we have to force. Um, so I'm really appreciative of all your insight on that. Um, I wonder if you have anything else you'd like to talk about or add about our conversation particularly, you know, equity and diversity, inclusion, of course, accessibility, but I'd love to hear any other thoughts that you have. Um, so I think um, another thing in that is businesses should really start to look at um, the intersectionality of people's experience is I know we talked a lot about disability today, 
But um, the reason why I bring up my background, my heritage, even where I come from, I, I, I'm a small town girl living in Toronto now, um, but all of those experiences shape who I am today. And we need to realize that too, is that just because you speak to one person with a disability does not mean that that experience is conducive to everyone with that same disability. It's those, ex those other factors shape who a person is. And so when we talk about accessibility or disability inclusion, we have to account for those extra factors as well, because um, if we don't, then we are actually doing a disservice to the accessibility profession and also to the companies and, and businesses that we work for. Um, like case in point, when we're like talking about 2020 and you know um, what happened, uh, with Black Lives Matter and all of that is that think about what ha would happen with a black male who happened to be deaf as well, right? Is that racism and ableism and all these things, they're not siloed. They, they feed into one another. Right, and so when we look at what what causes certain behavior, um, we have to understand that often it actually also comes from an ableist standpoint of someone not believing that someone is capable of doing something, or someone is believing that someone is capable of doing something when they're not. It's based on assumptions, and that's back to my earlier comment on let's not assume and just ask. That is the some of the best advice that I've heard on our podcast because, you know, nobody's experience is the same. It doesn't matter. It's, you know, disability is different for everybody. There's no, there's a full spectrum of it. But then you add, like you said, the intersectionality of, you know, race, gender, cultural background, um, where they've raised small town, big town, uh, you know, how, if they grew up with, you know, any kind of, uh, you know, money or no money, like the poverty versus, you know, having something totally different. There's just so much to add to that. And it doesn't, everyone goes, well, how do I know that I'm, I'm going to do the right thing? I said, you don't, but you have to try. Uh, and there's no such thing as 100% perfect, but you have to try and make the time to understand it and at least make the changes to do something better. So I really appreciate that insight, Alicia. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Well, that is the end of our podcast today. And we're so grateful that you could join us and provide all the insight. And uh, if there's anything else you want to add, please feel free to do so. But we look forward to being able to launch this and uh, always appreciate everyone's feedback. So thank you so much, Alicia. Thanks for having me. Why Access Matters, a podcast by Accessibrand. Thoughts and talks about accessibility. Hello again, everyone. I'm Jolene from Accessibrand, and I want to thank you for listening to the ninth episode of Why Access Matters. You just heard a conversation that I had with Alicia Jarvis. 
Alicia discusses the importance of recognizing that disability is a normal part of life and that we should be prepared for the possibility of experiencing it ourselves. Do you have an experience with a temporary or permanent disability that happened to you or someone else without sudden warning? If yes, please share your story with us. We would love to hear about your experiences. She emphasizes that accessibility is not just for people with disabilities, but for everyone, as we will all need help and support at some time in our lives. Do you have any sample of accessibility features that you or someone you know use and benefit from without thinking about it? For example, have you heard or read about the curb cut effect? It's a concept that explains how addressing disadvantages or exclusions for one group of people can create an environment that benefits everyone. The term was coined by Angela Glover Blackwell, referring to how sidewalk ramps, which are called curb cuts, were installed to make communities more accessible to wheelchair users, but really benefited many others too. And last but not least, she stresses the importance of normalizing asking questions about disability and not making assumptions about what someone can or cannot do based on their appearance. Do you have any thoughts about this? What do you think people should do to be open to differences and to build a more inclusive environment for everyone, including persons with disabilities? Please send us your thoughts, ideas, and any feedback you have to our email, jolene at accessibrand.com or in the comments on our Apple podcast page or CastBox, or under our posts on social media. We love when people connect there and you can find those in the description box of our episodes. Well, we've reached the end. I'm Jolene McDonald from Excessive Brand. Thanks for your patience and time and listening to me, my colleagues, and our special guest, Felicia Jarvis, in the fourth episode of our second season and the ninth episode overall of Why Access Matters. The next episode will follow on the last Friday of May in 2023. But until then, please send us your thoughts and ideas. Follow our podcasts and podcatchers like Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or any other platform you listen to podcasts on. Follow our fabulous guests on LinkedIn. And don't forget to introduce this to your friends, family, and network. Please consider checking out our website if you need any accessibility services and would like to utilize the valuable lived experience and expertise of persons with disabilities. You can visit our website at www.accessibrand.com. Why Access Matters, a podcast by Accessibrand. Thoughts and talks about accessibility.